0: Hey, folks, and welcome to the Deconstructor of Fun podcast. I'm your host, Mishka Katkoff. And today, my guests are from Miri Growth as we talk about creative optimization and iteration in the context of iOS 14. Now, Miri Growth promotes mobile apps on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Snapchat, and they achieve scale through creative testing. In other words, creative optimization, concept iteration, and campaign management is the cornerstone of Miri's business as they offer these services to some of the top game developers and publishers around the world. Now I wanted to have the folks from Miri growth on because there's been lots of doom and gloom about creative testing on iOS. In fact, Brian Bowman, CEO of consumer acquisition recently stated that I'm going to quote creative testing on iOS is dead. Don't waste your time on it. So is Brian, right? Well, I guess you have to listen to this podcast and determine that for yourself. But before we get to the podcast, just a quick shout out to our amazing supporters of this podcast, Facebook Gaming, Appslier, Iron Source and Beamable.
1: This episode is brought to you by Facebook Gaming. Facebook Gaming is building the world's gaming community by helping game makers, developers and publishers to build, grow and monetize their games. They do, do this by providing research-based insights, in-depth case studies, as well as a wide variety of educational materials. A recent example of this is Games Marketing Insights for 2021, a report that has just been released and is available to download for free right now. Of course. Facebook Gaming also helps developers and publishers of all sizes to deploy powerful UA and monetization strategies through a range of innovative solutions designed for games marketers in every corner of the industry. Go to fb.gg forward dof for in-depth educational materials, including playbooks, webinars, blogs, and reports, as well as great video content.
2: We pretty much use just about every single product that uh, Iron Source offers. We're, we're completely integrated with the platform. Of course, the mediation products, all ad ad products, and the company that can assist us in doing UA and monetization and all the uh, additional products that come along with it. It takes a lot of uh, headache away from us. It takes a lot of the hard, busy work off of our hands. Having a kind of an all-in-one platform.
3: You just heard Andrew Stone. He's the CEO at Random Logic Games, who
4: use Iron Source's platform to grow their games in the smartest way possible. If you want to grow like Random Logic, you can get the SDK on IronSource's website. That's ironsrc.com.
1: Do you have the tools to turn your insights into action? Let's be honest, not all marketing activities are created equal. AppSlyer's analytics suite simplifies this complex data and gives you a unified view of campaign performance so you can make better, faster marketing choices at every stage of the customer journey. The goal is to create exceptional experiences that keep customers engaged. To succeed,
0: you need to meet your customers where they are. AppSlyer's customer experience and engagement suite, powered by a reliable deep linking engine, lets you create personalized journeys that increase conversion and return on every experience. In addition, AppSlayer is going to keep your budget safe from mobile ad fraud. Bots and click farms aren't going to generate revenue for you. That's why you need a comprehensive fraud protection solution to make sure you're investing in the right channels and only measuring and paying for real actions. Are you ready to start making good choices? Great. Go to appslayer.com and get yourself an attribution partner you deserve. welcome everybody and today we're going to talk about a very hot topic of creative optimization and iteration in the context of ios 14. so we got the three fabulous guests from Mary growth first elise zary welcome elise thank you we got adam turovsky welcome adam hi thanks a lot for having us and of course zach vandriel welcome zach hi thank you very much so let's start off with you guys introducing yourself, starting with Elise, and then following of what is Miri Growth and who are some of the clients you're working with?
4: Cool. Well, thank you so much. So my name is Elise. I'm a senior performance marketing manager at Miri Growth. I have a background in data analysis, and I kind of landed into performance marketing about three years ago when I joined Miri. And within my role, I specialize into creative, creative testing. So really happy to be talking about it today.
2: And hi, my name is Adam. I'm one of the co-founders of Miri. We've been working on Miri with Zach for the past uh, four years, prior to that, we used to work together at Peak. And I've been working in mobile marketing as it was then called for the past nine the years. The other co-founder of Miri, as just mentioned. mentioned,
3: and within mm-hmm. Miri, definitely specializing within more of the casual mid core games as well, as well as a lot of the operations. So really excited to talk about the impact of creative and following a lot and being the impact of actually iOS 14.5 specifically.
0: Awesome. So, Miri Growth has been operating for four years. What is, what's the, can you please describe the company? Like what are you guys doing and who are some of your clients?
2: Sure. So, we're a performance marketing agency and also a creative agency. Uh, So we promote uh, mobile apps and games on paid social. And we do two things. Either we run their campaigns on uh, platforms such as Facebook, uh, Snapchat, TikTok, or Google, or we also produce their creatives and really creative production creative testing is at the core of what so every week we want to test roughly 5 ads for all the clients uh, that we work with and the goal uh, is to find the new uh, best performing creative and for those of for those of uh, us who don't know, so basically we do this because we want to find an ad that will sustain the current performance and scale on these channels, or ideally help us improve the performance and potentially even, even a scale on, on, on all these channels. So uh, yeah, we're currently working with the likes of two dots, gem city, social point, network paired or a loony as
0: well. It's pretty big clients because the way you describe it is like you're a one-stop shop uh, to outsource your marketability and and not marketability to outsource your uh, user acquisition. Is that, you know, correct way to to describe it?
2: Yeah. I mean, we want to see ourselves as an extension of internal Mm -hmm. teams. And when it comes to creative, it's really important to let other people come up with new ideas, new approaches, because you never quite know where the... New idea that is going to help you scale is going to come from.
0: Got it. So, who are your contact points with the company? So, let's say you're working with you know the Jam Cities and the the networks of, of the world. Do you work mainly with the campaign managers? Do you work with the CMO? Do you work with the product marketing managers? Like, what are the contact for Miri Growth as a as an extension of a performance marketing team?
3: I would say almost all of the above, depending on the yeah. the client and the, the size of the client with when there's a, a large established UA team within the client side, we're definitely very integrated within there. So we're not just following the campaigns that we're working on. There's also a lot of benefits of discussing what's happening on other channels or what's happening on organic, what's the new product development or any, any marketing or larger pushes that are coming up. So yeah, so I guess all of the above in different and uh, different levels. Okay. So how, how, how
0: small can a company be to work with you guys? Because the the companies you mentioned are pretty big.
3: Mm. Yeah, I think we have worked with a lot of companies who are also just entering global launch. So they've, they, they've got a product, which is converting within the, the, and performance within the, the realms of what they've been testing so far. And then it's our challenge to come in and scale that out and find which channels are going to be the right fit, where we're going to help them grow. But as well, we've also then worked with the larger companies with Mm. games that have been established and running UA for five plus years. And they're going, I mean, we've got a great internal team. We want to try and diversify what we're doing. Let's see if a different perspective is going to help us uh, unlock even further growth.
0: Oh, okay. That makes sense. So sometimes you kind of exhaust your resources or the main resources are moved towards the uh, other main games that are. Uh, being mm-hmm. scaled up, so you still want to see if you can push with a little bit of a different method. Uh, final question about Mary Growth: What's the business?
2: Yeah, so we're working uh, with two uh, different business models. Uh, the first one is basically percentage of ad on the money that we spend when we run the UA, or we also have monthly uh, retainers when it comes to just the creative production uh, and the creative testing. Got
0: it. Okay, so scale. So based on a scale. All right.
2: Yeah. Or volume.
0: Perfect. Well, now that everybody understands what Miri does, how you guys do it, who you work with and what's your business model, we can jump in and talk about what's going on in the market at the moment. With the latest reports, AppBanny is saying that the growth, that the whole industry is on a growth track, despite the comparison to the booming 2020 and the whole IDFA slash privacy debacle. Yet at the same time, Zynga reported in its last earnings, that IDFA was having big effects on business performance and it warned a second half bookings could be down by hundred million. Of course, Zynga's bookings are pretty sizable, but this is still a big chunk. And then famously, Brian Bowman, who's uh, who's been on multiple different channels talking about IDFA. Uh, he's the CEO of consumer acquisition. He also said that IDFA has hurt iOS revenues by 15 to 20% and even more. So let's jump into the conversation topics. What are the sort of a real-world impacts since you guys are focusing quite heavily on iOS in addition to TikTok and stuff? So what are the real impacts for the winners and who are the companies that are most challenged?
2: Well, yeah, I think on our side we've been actually maybe fairly lucky to not exactly experience such a drop. I mean, for some clients, like the short answer is some clients have lost on, on scale a little bit and we, we had to scale down and some others did manage to actually make the most of it. And I think for us, the net impact has been flat or actually slightly positive. And it does seem that when we take a closer look at who people who have one are, it's Quite often companies that are a bit bigger or companies that are a bit prepared, bigger companies having maybe uh, better means to be better prepared for these changes. We've seen also probably more casual titles, yeah, working uh, a little bit better at the moment or also apps that have slightly more predictable revenues by which I mean subscription apps. But maybe Zach and Elise can can also give you some more uh, specific examples.
3: Yeah, I think from my side, I agree with Adam on the, like the theory of who would be the most impacted was going to be on those two sides of the scale. So on top of what I mentioned of like the predictability of revenues being a positive versus then those apps, which are more well-based or even in app revenue driven, being more challenged in this situation. From what I've seen across the the range of clients I've been overseeing is that really the main differentiators, those who have been more prepared and more confident in their measurement which is obviously hard to say but like it's, it's it's subjective to measure the confidence as well but that's definitely been the, the the largest variable of those who were most prepared at the beginning and who were saying let's go with this let's run with this and this will be reviewed in this period of time that they were able to make the most of that situation where other advertisers were more hesitant we're not sure so there was less competition within the market as a result of that, then, and more recently, as iOS 14.5 has been around for, for a few months now, we are seeing that the competition is, is more volatile and there's more things to react to. But I think those clients that we've been working with at scale within scan, measured, uh, and reported campaigns, we have that advantage of no, of having been running these types of campaigns for a longer period of time compared to others where we're still, there may be slightly less confidence.
0: Elise, do you have something to, to, to add with, with the clients you're working with?
4: Sure. Yeah, there was definitely a transition period. I think uh, from prayers fourteen point five to fourteen point five, where something simple like tracking was really challenged. So we really had a hard time being able to predict revenue and being able to predict purchases for our clients. But I think it's recovered now, and we're seeing performance kind of evening out across the board. And I think as Zach said, clients that took all the data they had from prior 14.5 and built models where they were able to take some short-term KPIs and create prediction for longer-term KPIs we don't have access to anymore with iOS 14.5. We're able to smooth that transition because if they know what's happening in the first 48 hours and they're confident enough to know that if they have enough revenue within that period of time, then it means that later they will have the expected revenue. I think they can be more confident into keeping a high scale. So yeah, I'm thinking I'm seeing things evening out from, from my clients and my perspective.
0: Got it, so preparation has been the key, and and if yeah. if they really focus on the post-back events early on, they've been able to mm-hmm. sustain sustain their marketing efforts. Now, when we're just, like you, you mentioned a couple of things, and I have a few more things to, to add. So what has happened with the budgets? Uh, have the companies mm-hmm. decreased their budgets from iOS and kind of moved to other platforms, or have they you know pretty much remained the same and what has happened really with the with the cpms and the cpis during during this time
3: can Jump, jump in if few, but yeah. And so I think at the beginning, I mean, I guess there's kind of been mm. a, very, a transition period as we kind of be mentioning. So at the beginning, there was less confidence, less scale within iOS, more within Android, which also mm-hmm. led issues on the Android side with the high, like hey, all advertisers are doing that. So there was much more competition there. But as soon as we started to scale up iOS 14.5 uh, campaigns, I think with a few clients, there was definitely some, some really strong, quick growth across Multiple channels, so not even just the channels that they were strongest on. There were there were also opportunities on ones where they maybe been testing or had lower scale pre RS fourteen point five. And that's come as a result of from what i've seen at least initial periods of really low cpm cpis mm-hmm. that also came with i think lower optimization from the from the different channels we're working on in terms of the algorithms and finding those paying users so there was that period where across not every channel that we work on so yeah not every channel that we worked on had app event optimization for example uh, so obviously as a result of that we're going to see lower cpms and cpis with mobile app install optimization but those sort of optimization events still seem to work quite well, which was quite surprising. And I think now in more recent days, from my perspective, at least budgets have have definitely returned or increased compared to where they were around February, March period. But CPMs and uh, CPMs in general have been moving quite a lot from what I've been seeing in the past uh, month or two. And so I can, my assumption then is that the same sort of things happening across a lot of advertisers at the same time. So
0: CPMs moving back and forth, not like towards one direction?
3: Yeah, I, I mean, I would say generally the feeling is that they're increasing, but they can swing quite a lot, which uh, is probably channel specific. Uh, and also it's app specific. We're not seeing exactly the same CPM swings across every app at the same sort of period. But my, yeah, my understanding or my ho- hypothesis around this, there's a lot going on on the channel side in terms of their optimization algorithms, which is leading to these larger swings in shorter periods of time.
0: Got it. Okay. It makes sense. So you mentioned also that, that games with in-app ad monetization or at least heavy or primary in-app ad monetization are challenged. How come? Because those are very casual and very broad of a very broad appeal.
3: How come they are suffering during this time? So I personally not, not overseeing mm-hmm. any purely IAA-driven uh, games, there, there are some with more like 30 to 50% revenue from IAA, which is obviously uh, quite significant yeah. there. So I, so I don't have full visibility to answer that question, I think. But overall, I would say that the the primary issue I've seen with these uh, games, which are more hybrid with IAA, is that measurement is harder, I think, with because there's that balance of IAA versus IAP, a kind of decision has to be made. We have limited metrics that we can measure at the moment with, uh, with SCAN, and therefore uh, there's usually a priority that's taken, and that seems to be uh, push towards the IAP side where there's more variety in terms of user value, and therefore it makes most sense to be measuring IAP LTVs essentially within that shorter time period. Okay, got it. So from the campaign
0: perspective, it's much easier to put the, uh, the post-back events around IAP versus ad monetization. And through that, the the games w- with hybrid monetization or heavy in-app ad monetization are a bit suffering. But at the same time, the, my question regarding the CPMs, were actually going into the ad monetization part, because I was asking what happened to the CPM, because if CPMs are going up, then that actually is good for in-app ad monetized games. And to my understanding, the CPMs have been increasing quite heavily on the Android side, as a lot of publishers have have moved their more significant Mm -hmm. portion of their budgets there. So am I correct with this this hypothesis?
2: So, I mean, there's been some budgets that have moved to iOS. I also think that the decrease in iOS is also related to the fact that people were a bit cautious. So it's not just that, that only that they saw performance drop. They just took a step back, waited a little bit, and maybe now is the time uh, for them to come back. Uh, so maybe also there's a for in-app ads, yeah, or a- a- ad monetized apps there in maybe uh, short to mid-term. And yeah, but it, but it's hard to say. I, I I think at this stage, if if they can really bounce back. What we've seen also is a general market trend from let's say hyper casual developers working mm-hmm. on casual games with a more hybrid model to try to yeah let, like defend themselves against uh, these changes and also make the most of an ups. Got it. Okay.
0: Well, that's yeah, that's that's exactly what what I, we were kind of hypothesizing. All right, let's jump in into creative testing on iOS 14. So, Brian Bowman, the uh, the CEO of Consumer Acquisition famously said in one of the last podcasts that he did with Game Makers. He said, I'm going to quote, creative testing on iOS is dead. Don't waste your time on it. (laughs) So that's it. And that basically leads to the 48 hours to determine the viability of the user. And because of that, the creative creative testing is too difficult. So what's the impact of creative optimization as a whole?
2: I kind of want to jump in because I have this one. We're we're working with this one uh, company that only has an iOS Uh, Mm -hmm. So basically, well, basically the assumption is with iOS 14, that you'll just test creative on Android, Uh, but sometimes it's impossible when people don't have an Android app. And so we've been running, we've been really trying uh, a lot of different things and a lot of different ways to find the best framework possible. So. Until now, and what we do on Android is a split test. So we, and we run these tests on Facebook. So we have five ad sets for the new ads that we have and one ad per ad set. We run a split test, so all the audiences are siloed. We have an extra ad set for the control ad. And we want to see which ads ipms or cpis will be better than the company. now again this is impossible with ios 14.5 uh, and we've been trying a lot of different things what we've had the issue we've had at the at the beginning is that even with the, the split tests the results that we had were not really transferable to this client's business as usual campaigns and they would run a lot of aaa on facebook with app event optimization so we tried different things now I mean, long story short, what we're now doing is AAA campaigns with mobile app installs on iOS 14.5. Well, iOS 14 campaigns. It's indeed very, very hard to read the results. We're looking at a mix of spend, click-through rate, CPIs, but we know that the CPIs are not the real CPIs. However, the results that we find or the ads that we find are successful when we launch them in, or when a client launches them in their uh, live campaigns, they seem to pick up spend. So, this seems to be working fairly well. Okay, so what is the AAA campaign? Automated app ads. And sure that these uh, are not a, big... not a user acquisition person, so I, I have to ask about these things. Yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. I should have mentioned that. Yeah, so on Facebook, Facebook launched this type of campaigns, I'm not quite sure when, in the past year or so. A year ago? Yeah. Something like that. And basically, the idea is that you just, one geo, one event optimization, put a lot of ads and let Facebook do the job. So it's called, I guess, automated app ads. The UA manager has a lot less to do, but you know, like trying to find the best kind of, yeah, mix is still, uh, fairly, fairly, uh, complicated.
0: Got it. Okay. So you've moved from, from the, uh, from, from the split test of five ads to, to a different model now.
2: Yeah. And, and I guess, I mean, that's true on iOS when you actually have to test your creatives there. But I think on other accounts, when Android is available, we can still yeah, do, the, do the split tests.
0: And how, I don't know. How, yeah. how well do the results from Android transfer to iOS? Because it seems like a lot of companies, if not majority, are now using, especially Android as their soft launch platform. And I've also talked to a lot of big publishers uh, with, with probably the biggest ad spends in the world, and they are doing most of their testing on Android and then transferring that to iOS. I don't know how well that works. Can you, how, What have you been seeing?
4: So in our experience, I think a very good creative is a very good creative everywhere. Mm-hmm. So if we're finding a creative that really wins the test on Android and has there's a sharp difference between that creative, the other ones in the test, and the control, the chances it will do the same thing on iOS and it will pick up spend because it does work super well. But when we're seeing more overlap, so when we're seeing creative with potential on Androids, which means that they're barely better than the control, then they might not translate as well on Android. So our model of finding a creative win is really finding that very good, best creative, pretty much. Got it. It it kind of, like the, the... the iteration process and the research uh, process to find this creative remains the same
0: so would you encourage uh, publishers to to search for that hero creative on on or or what's the or or should they try to sub-optimize their existing ones
3: I think there's definitely still benefit to, to iterating uh, on top performers. We we definitely go about it with a balance of exploring to find that new hero creative on top of iterating to try and optimize and drive incremental scale or to increase the, like reduce ad fatigue for those top concepts that are working at the moment. Mm-hmm. I think just one thing to add to like the kind of original topic overall, I think it's, I guess it's, it's easy to say at the moment that yes, creative testing on iOS is definitely a challenge but it is going to be a challenge that we have to solve reason being obviously as adam mentioned there are some situations where android isn't the solution to creative testing but also the chances are that in the near or in the future i expect that android will also follow follow suit with ios with a, a different approach but re- resulting in a similar problem that we've uh, we've had to had to face with ios 14.5 on android devices so i think, I think it's, it's a, a it's a challenge at the moment i don't, I don't think i think, think we found some solutions but finding that Perfect solution, which we uh, know can scale across different situations, the different accounts, and work out the nuances between what, how to test creative in different situations. is going to be, it still remains a challenge, but a challenge that we're going to have to solve, and a lot of advertisers will, will also have to uh, solve as well. Is
0: is Android the uh, the only testing platform, or do do your clients also test their creatives on on TikTok or Snap or, or other channels like? It?
3: Yeah. yeah so yeah when we say android we mean android on on all channels we tend to prioritize creative testing on facebook just due to the the transferability of results from there uh, as well as generally being one of the largest channels that that has been advertised within at least the mix of clients mm-hmm. that we're working with but we definitely excuse me a different approach across tiktok and snapchat for creative testing which is broadly speaking less about split testing or about uh, smaller creative tests within uh, smaller ad sets or small audiences and seeing uh, which ads can pick up and then which can scale from there, also based off of IPM, but also based off of the increase in delivery that TikTok and Snapchat may feed one ad versus another. Mm. And, and and
0: what policy updates has Facebook implemented and what has been sort of the effect of those during this, well, during this past year?
3: Yeah, so yeah, I and, know and we discussed, yeah, the, the Facebook ad policy change before. This is uh, very specific it's quite a small policy change which has a big questionable impact, I think especially for the for gaming clients um, and that specifically is that they are uh, now able or they will start to block ads that they consider misleading uh, content compared to what's included within the app and we know there are a lot of very big advertisers who rely very heavily. Uh, on ads which deemed to be misleading. There's also been cases where they've then turned those misleading ads into like they've added them into the game and added them as uh, part of the content. But this is the first sort of stance that Facebook has taken to to show that they're gonna start to crack down on these these types of ads. At the moment it's like a gradual rollout so and it's also very subjective because they're Facebook are being very unclear with what they would may consider misleading because obviously like a cinematic trailer or a cgi ad isn't showing gameplay content but is it but it would obviously or i think everyone would agree that that's not misleading content so i think it will be an interesting time for for some of those larger developers who rely on those ads let's take a little break and talk about how to boost your live ops
0: now we all know that you need great people and fantastic tools to get the most out of your live games and i'm sure you got the people part covered but how fantastic your true your tools truly are well listen If your game is made with unity you need to check out beamable beamable is like an operating system for live games built in unity beamable simplifies everything from updating your game to selling all those cool in-game items with special offers and when it comes to live events and competitive features like leaderboards beamable got you covered and Beamable is not only for your product folks. With visual prefabs for Unity and the ability to keep, you all, to keep all your server code in C-sharp means life is simpler for your programmers. And most importantly, you'll get to the market faster. If much lower cost of development and efficiency of operations is your jam, then Beamable is your toast. Go to Beamable.com because deconstructor of fun told you so all right so let's talk about creative production a little bit because at least as you said a good creative is a good creative no matter what the platform is so how do you make a good creative how
4: do we make a good creative I how, think, how does anybody make uh, a good
0: creative none <laughs> like <laughs>
4: um how do we I think it's There's a lot of different ways we can go about it. It's a mix of understanding what the current trends are, how users will respond to those trends, how we adapt an execution or elements we're seeing to our clients and to the games we're advertising. For example, lately we've been seeing, I mean, lately, in the last year or two, we've been seeing advertisers using influencer marketing quite a lot or actors that play as influencers to advertise the game. So it's definitely something we want to explore and we want to see if we can adapt to to our titles. I think creative testing is so important to us because we definitely want to see if those new approaches beat the current top performer and that's why we need to to keep testing. Yeah, I think yeah, there is there's a lot of ways to to go about it to find that hero creative.
0: How do you work with a company, let's say companies is, is... <laughs> one of your clients, so somebody takes media growth and they want you to help them to find mm-hmm. top creatives or hero creatives. How do you work with that company? And, and what do you expect the company to do on their side? And mm-hmm. what do you do? And like, how does that come together?
4: So we'll ask them to share with us what's been working the best for them so far and what's not been working well, for example. And on their side, we're going to identify patterns within those creatives if there are different elements and some hypothesis and conclusions we can make from those initial results on their side. And then we're going to take those elements and create our own creatives, but we're also going to take brand new elements that they haven't explored before, other aspects of the game they haven't really digged into and make our own creatives. So we'll try to to present a panel of new creative concepts that is a mix of what's working well on their side. And that's a mix of what we think may work well and they haven't tried yet.
0: Mm, okay. So I have a couple of things. So one is in my experience, a lot of the times top creative is surprising, meaning that yeah. it has really nothing to do with the game. It might, it's usually not the highest production value. It's quirky. It's something totally out of the box. And it doesn't make. it just doesn't make any sense that this creative is the top creative. And it has been like this for as long as I remember, even before video ads. So how do you kind of, find that element in it like how much how much does it have to come from the game team or how much does it have to come in from an agency
4: i would say usually we're the one who try to think about the weird things because the game team tends to want to stay close to the game Mm -hmm. and close to the values of the game i mean we will be able to kind of go further away from that because as an agency we have more uh, visibility on what's working and what mm-hmm. what's not working across many clients and categories of games. I think the push towards weird ads, like you say, is something that is more gradual because we can't uh, really pitch that right away. I think what I've been finding in my experience working on narrative games, for example, where you're seeing a lot of super weird ads, is that it's the result of a lot of iteration process where we're changing one element, one version after the other, and then the end result might mm-hmm. end up being super weird but it's what's working because it's so strange if that makes sense
0: that, that makes sense how do you how do you sell to the to the game team or, or the client that you're going to go with something totally crazy
4: it's part results if mm-hmm. it works if i'm showing the results of the test and the click-through rate is super high then of course, they, they will be okay with me testing okay. uh, more weird things. But I think they ask an agency because they, they just want to take that risk as well. So sometimes you have to, to negotiate with them. And it, I think it's harder to make them accept at mm-hmm. first. I mean, it's not make them accept, but it's harder to present those more out-of-the-box ideas. But if you should, that it works, I think it's, uh, it's a good solution.
0: What's the, uh, so you know, you work with with the likes of of Jam City and of course a lot of their games have an IP and when they have an IP that that is with Disney, then they're extremely limited in terms of how crazy they can go. (laughs) So my question is like, how much companies are focusing on on building an IP, if you will, like not the ones of Jam City with the Disney, but some of the companies have their games blowing up and becoming bigger phenomena on their own. How much are they... Kind of trying to control the narrative and control the marketing to to build their own ip
2: i have to say i don't know if there's like really a correlation between a team having strict brand guidelines mm-hmm. and the size of the ip i think that like there are two things. I think first of all, they're, they're like, we look at it from a data uh, perspective, right? And it's not just about having a low CPI. We're also going to see if these ads can lead to a good return. And if it leads to a good retention, it means, it means that the ads that could be a little bit further away from the title or in that far away from the title, or at least that this doesn't have the negative impact. Right. And then the second thing is it's our role actually to, you know, work on how we build a link between the social network and the game itself. So we have to adapt the game, what the game has to communicate and how we want to advertise it to where we, to where we show it. So like, like the trying to find the strike the right balance is exactly uh, what we, what we have to do.
0: Mm. I've also talked a lot to, to different CMOs and run my own campaigns, different time of marketability campaigns and, and what I found interesting was the audience Studies and audience understanding, so kind of giving the team the context. So whether that you were talking about the marketing team or or both external and internal marketing teams, or even the the creative team, giving the context of the audience, really kind of pushing a little bit deeper. We've been using 12 traits to 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 really understand the player traits, and then using those traits, those personas as the sort of foundation for the creative thinking, and then. Through that building the creatives, and that allows us to go a little bit crazy because they're always, you know, kind of founded on the uh, the, the audience study. So, question is, how much do companies? use audience studies and is this is this kind of increasing now that there's less data coming in from from the performance marketing
2: platforms I just I just want to say one thing so basically yeah it is great when you know who your core audience is because that helps kind of shape you know your thinking around creative however if you define like 12 different audiences that you want to target It's going to become super difficult. And as Elise said, like if something works, it works everywhere. So trying to find the right ad for the 12 different audiences, personas that you have is extremely difficult. And we are much more of the opinion that you should be looking for the hit creative across the board. But obviously understanding who your Mm. core audience is is very important in order to achieve that
0: interesting so this uh, that might be the approach for the casual games of course i have less experience with those but at least with with more of a core games it's more like understanding the multiple different audiences but then focusing on only one or two of them that is a primary and secondary and understanding that those other ones are not heavily monetizing and actually won't retain so let's focus our user acquisition on these specific personas so that over time their percentage in the whole audience will increase while we're fine with losing the, the, the ones that are not as valuable for us per
2: se. Absolutely. But yeah. No. Sorry, and we, can,
4: we can always take a top creative and adapt it to other core audiences that mm-hmm. our client wants to explore. But I would say there is always one, I mean, if it's shared with us ahead of time, there will be like one or two primarily yeah. groups of people that we need to target and I have a specific client client where it's women over 40 in the U S so all my creatives will be really with that specific audience in mind. Mm. However, I think we can also broaden that out and do creatives that are more generic and see if that works. And It's really easy for us to adapt the style, take a concept that works and adapt the style to different potential audiences.
0: How much more depth are you seeing? Because you mentioned women over 40 in the U.S. Like that's a typical uh, sort of a, like a just demographic, to be honest. It's not really an audience understanding. How much do companies offer more insightful data about their, their audience? So, for example, you know, we've seen we've seen audiences with strong drive towards altruistic like that that's really pushed them or or, or especially on the, uh, on the mid-court size, there's a lot of players who who prefer productivity and that's like the most important thing in their life and then through that we try to push like in in terms of productivity if you're advertising an rpg game you're really showing how much you can make and in, in, in what amount of time and how much every session makes you better and how much you improve and that's what you see uh, actually in a lot of the ads and that drives the productivity thinking of, of a player that, hey, they can be, you know, they can get ahead because maybe in, in their other world, they're kind of grinding it on the same place. But in this game, you'll be just constantly putting the effort and getting your reward for it. So how much audience data are you getting from companies? Is that typical or are they still kind of in that early phase where they would say, you know, Sally from Ohio type of a thinking? <laughs>
3: I think from my side, from what we see, it's the, the, the larger developers out there have a, with, if you have a larger user base, you're going to have more audience mm-hmm. insights. So that tends to be the cases where we see, where we get more of those very specific audience insights. The way I would also look at it is we tend to have those kind of different pillars, you said, or like mm-hmm. different traits, and we use those to build up different ideas and concepts to, to essentially Put together a list of hypotheses that we want to answer so a lot of the creators that we're building out well all of the creators we build out have a specific hypothesis as to what question we want answered within that uh, specific test mm-hmm. so i would say that whilst it's whilst it's helpful to have those insights to know which ones to focus on just have it going in to create a brainstorm session with those different pillars and those different traits mm-hmm. in mind just leads to different creative ideas which is a big part of the creative exploration process because whilst we may say you may say basically the ad example you said where you can be very productive over time that's the the idea behind the concept but in reality maybe the execution actually someone sees that and Mm -hmm. they go oh there's uh there's a lot of depth to this game Mm -hmm. because i can see how quickly you can proceed through Mm -hmm. the game that's Mm -hmm. not a case of product productivity but it's a case of uh, progression uh, which may be a different uh, actually answer a different trait so i think it's always like the the ads that work and the idea the hypotheses you have behind why they may work may in reality sometimes be different to what is actually driving that strong performance, which is why it's so important to always challenge those assumptions mm-hmm. and not just stick within what we know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's maybe a slightly different perspective that uh, the, that we come about or the angle that we come from when we think about these different traits. Got um, it, yeah.
2: But it always helps us with ideas. Right. And that's also like one of the main uh, reasons why we want to use such frameworks because they just help us come up with new hypotheses and things to test at the end of the day, an ad is like a dozen different parameters and it's very hard to narrow it down to one parameter. And yeah, I mean, you know, also an audience says like we will have much less data on where the ads are delivered and who are the people, who the people who see the ads are. So that's also why it's very difficult to look at it. But uh, again, like having this framework, these frameworks to come up with ideas is, is still something that is very important. Okay,
0: yeah, yeah. So agreed, yeah. The more information you have, the easier it is to start kind of looking for that top performing creative or those top performing creatives and understanding the you know, how to make them. Anyways, let's, let's move on to something that I know even less of, and that is Snapchat and TikTok. Don't use both of them. So can you please talk about these two channels and what's going on with those?
3: Uh, yeah, I think Snapchat and TikTok have been, uh, Snapchat's been something we've been working on uh, mm. since we started, Mary. It was, uh, we saw really strong performance from Snapchat over a longer period of time, and it's been one that's been developing quite quickly. TikTok, more obviously, is also very new and something that we have been experimenting with kind of since their, their mobile app install ad, ad selection became available, but not something that we saw immediate success with. So we've really started to see over the past Six to twelve months, uh, a lot of growth and opportunity within TikTok, in like not just in situations we would assume have worked, but also across like a larger variety of clients, different audiences, different different target audiences or presumed target audiences, and kind of to what we were talking about before. But also users that can perform quite well. And I think what's been really interesting about TikTok and Snapchat, like I think. I don't want to talk about them together because mm-hmm, they are yeah. quite different, and especially just in terms of their like their journey as an ad platform, how developed they are in terms of their optimization and features, and targeting options. But broadly speaking, what it's helped us, what what it's unlocked for us, is just a lot of creative concepts and ideas that, when we narrow down to thinking about Facebook as a platform, you may not necessarily think of, and that's not just thinking of the organic TikTok content, which one may presume is the the type of content that can work from from an advertising point of view. But it's also just like different ideas that come out of the box. There's a lot of different like user generated content concepts, which have worked quite well, not just within those channels, but they also then have scaled across Facebook and other channels as well. So I would say long story short is that Snapchat has been around uh, for a longer period of time and has been one that we've been able to see consistent growth and scale across more clients. Whilst TikTok has more had a much increased velocity in terms of scale, the potential within the last six to 12 months, more hit and miss, we're still working out as well from our side, what the best fit is from a, from a game or audience perspective, mm-hmm. uh, but in the cases where it's worked, we've seen some, uh, some really nice metrics and uh, scale as well.
0: Interesting. And how does it working between games and apps when we think about Snapchat and, and TikTok, is it equal or, or are games better on, on other platform than they are on, on the other
3: one? I would say it's more um, about the specific apps or the specific games. So, for example, on Snapchat, we've seen more of a lean towards uh, casual. That's not to say that some midcore titles haven't then been the exceptions to that. We've seen them work well. And then on the app side, we've I, maybe at least can speak more of the genres on Snap, but we've seen, we have seen a wide range of uh, different types of apps that, that can work there. The thing I would say is the challenge on Snapchat is maintaining that high scale mm-hmm. uh, because the CPMs can all have historically been quite low. The audience can exhaust quite quickly if you scale up too fast so it's more of a volatile test find a new winner scale quickly and then scale may have to come back down before you can ramp up even further compared to a platform like facebook which has much more audience to then choose from and as and also actually higher cpm so your your ad fatigue and it is over a longer period of time across TikTok. i would say because it's we're still within that earlier stage it's hard to say I wouldn't want to rule out any any Apple game from from working on there. We've seen a variety, I think, within both gaming and now we're exploring some more apps as well that can work. There was a period where, for example, health and fitness and entertainment style apps were working really well there. We're now also seeing some mid-core strength, which mm-hmm. we we thought would lean a lot more towards the casual side, but it actually the mid-core games have been working pretty strong from what we've been seeing at least. Mm. What are, what
0: are the sort of demographics when we compare TikTok and, and Snap and, and let's say Facebook? And with Facebook, you probably mean both Instagram and and mm-hmm. the F cannabis. Yes,
3: yeah, so, I mean, Facebook, I guess, has a wider range of, of audiences so with that in mind. We tend to see with Snapchat, it's not, uh, I mean, with TikTok, the presumption then is that the largest audience size is a lot younger, but I think there is actually a core of kind of that, uh, that 25 plus, which exists there. Uh, and can be performant as well within a range of games. And within Snapchat, it tends to be that 25 to 34 audience, which can work the most in terms of of performance specifically. Obviously, there can be lower scale, uh, higher scale or higher install volumes with other audiences. But within the, the, the titles that we're working with, that 25 to 34 seems to be the best fit. Whereas yes, Facebook as at least was saying that 40 plus audience is still very strong there, which we may not be able to find another on other platforms, but we are still able to find performance, even for those titles, which have that older demographic across some of the other channels.
0: Mm. So, so if you're working with say a casual games, you would, you might, you know, Go for all three because it seems like, you know, they're, they're pretty wide. But if more a more mid-core game, you, you would kind of go lightly on, on the TikTok and Snapchat, but more focused on Facebook.
3: Yes. I mean, I think we would definitely, we see higher scale overall on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So that one's uh, more of a must. And then the balance between Snapchat and TikTok is, is more experimental. I would say more recently, I would suggest exploring TikTok depending on the, the specific the specific app. While Snapchat, we have been seeing, yeah, we, we've seen more higher scale or higher velocity increases of scale on TikTok compared to Snapchat in the past six months. But that is, that is just what we're seeing. So yeah. I don't know if that's, that's also a very broad sweep in statement out. <laughs> are, are,
0: are the same type of creatives that are, say, performing on Instagram or performing on Facebook, are they also performing on Snapchat and 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 TikTok? Or does a different channel need a very different type of creative?
4: I wouldn't say they need a very different type of creatives. We're definitely seeing the top one being the top one across the board. I think same thing we're seeing between iOS and Android. However, from my perspective, working a lot on Snapchat compared to Facebook on Snapchat, you're able to find good creatives that do gain some spend and convert well. They're not the best, but you're seeing more differences across different campaigns and ad sets in terms of what's working. Whereas on Facebook, it's more uniform. There will be one top creative mm-hmm. and a few good ones. And then on Snapchat, um, you can find depending on your scale, but you can find over a dozen good ones that keep spending, don't fatigue. And it provides us more routes for iterations and for getting different ideas from multiple angles instead of really focusing on one creative, uh, Mm -hmm. one top creative to iterate on.
0: So when doing these creative type of testing, it's important to not only do them on one platform, but actually take the ones that didn't succeed so well in Facebook and Instagram and put it back on on Snapchat and TikTok, and exactly. and see how they're performing there. Yeah. OK, so kind of like recycling everything because the audience is different. <laughs> the patterns are different. Everything is different. So constantly test, test, test and find what works. Exactly. And how long does a good creative work for in, in your experience? Magical <laughs> question. <laughs> That's a magical
4: question <laughs> until somebody it really copies happens. it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh,
0: everybody,
4: everybody will come in. It really depends on the title and on the genre you're working on. But mm-hmm. one way we found to kind of sustain the success of a top creative will be iterating on it, constantly launching iterations. So before we could see a up and down of a few months and by iterating and constantly launching those iterations, I've seen success for six months to a year of a top creative.
0: Nice.
3: Well, that's that's pretty a so long time yeah, yeah. so that will be the success of like that general concept where yeah. i think one of the things we were discussing at the least before is that that story of that first the first execution of that concept and then that ad that may work in six to 12 months mm-hmm. may be quite different by the end but it's been that yeah. gradual process which has kept it alive throughout
0: well perfect i think I, I bombarded with you all kind of questions what did i miss what did we not talk about that, that should be important for game companies to think about
2: I mean, (laughs) I think one thing we, we like, I know we challenged creative testing a lot and creative testing, how it's done, like, that doesn't mean that creative doesn't matter anymore and quite the opposite. So creative is really, really, and we think even more so, even if it may take us uh, a bit different ways to figure out what works, creative like remains, uh, remains the key to, to, to what we're doing. And yeah, I, I I don't think that this is going to change anytime soon.
0: How much, okay, well, one question. So how much companies are, and you guys are using these uh, marketability platforms that essentially allow you to create a creative and fake an app store, whatever the app store might be, and kind of see what the other uh, conversion, what the click-through rate, what the CPI could be with a separate creative? No, I, I use the ones of Geek Lab, but there are other ones that do similar.
2: Yeah, we, we have used them a little bit in the past. We're obviously exploring it again, and we think that this may definitely be an interesting way of yeah, t- testing a creative, like trying to get a good answer for mm. what the potential click-to-install may be from the app store to the…
0: And how much… See, i come up with new questions. How much do you work with companies on app store optimization as well as with the product optimization when it comes to the earlier part of the game? Say you find a creative that working extremely well, you align that creative with the app store uh, page… And then you may also align the creative and the app store page with the beginning of the game, so that it gives that pure flow for the new players to come in. Because sometimes you might have a extremely high IPM, but the ROAS is not quite there, and there might be something happening, or the, the early retentions might not be there, and there might be something happening where you can kind of align the creative, the app store, and the beginning of the game.
3: I would say it's quite it's quite rare, to to, to be honest. So I mean. From from our point of view, there there have been different periods where we have explored testing a lot of App Store optimization to match those creators, or I say a lot of, we we have explored it in the past. But from what we do find is that we, we have that new winning ad, hopefully every couple of months. So if we're constantly having to then test the App Store page to find that winning ad, by the time maybe we find a winner on the App Store testing side, we have a new winning ad. From one thing that we have seen like within creative tests when you're testing for IPM, so looking at your CTR and uh, your, so your click through rate and your click to install rate, that can be quite transferable from campaign to campaign. Whereas when tests in the App Store page, we've seen that we may see like plus 30 uh, percent click to install rate within the test. And then within a mm-hmm. the live scenario, it uh, has much more impact than just on the UA campaigns. It also has an impact on organics and the, the transferability is, is not, not as strong as within creative testing. So as a result of that, we've, we've focused less on app store testing, but there have definitely been situations where some of those creatives that have performed well, mm-hmm. um, that we've been testing, exploring from a UA perspective get added into the FTUE of a game or added in within a smaller part of the game or there are experiments within the style of the game, for example, to see it like a reskin that we may have seen that can work quite well within a creative test could work from a product side. Just it's it's not a core of what we do because it involves a lot more of the team mm-hmm. and there's much more of a debate around that versus we look at the data and we say this, will, this could work. Uh, let's test it, which is very easy to say to produce a new video but more difficult and much more data is required to then say, okay, this game is going to be completely reskinned (laughs) to to match this app that's working well.
0: Well, yeah. Well, you know, a a good product team is definitely looking at how the creators Mm -hmm. are performing. And especially if we're talking about games and soft launch, which nowadays can last anywhere between one to two years, uh, you may find different type of characters that are performing well in the creative and you start changing those characters to put them on the icon. And then through that, mm-hmm. also putting them on the the app store and through that kind of getting there. Because even the icon is the important part. If you have a hero character, then you download that game. You might not be playing that game for a while, but then you see the icon like, oh, that was the game with the with the, with the lady or the warrior or whatever it is. And they kind of tap on it. So a lot of different moving elements. And as you're trying to optimize your game 1% every week, everything mm-hmm. is, is free for grab. So that's what I was kind of asking.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking not from the soft launch yeah. perspective, much more from that a developed launch. But yeah, absolutely. That is a very vital part of, of that development of the game side during those early stages.
0: All right. Thank you so much for, for joining the podcast. Now, before we end, you know, the floor is yours. Please, please promote your company. Please promote your services. Please promote the jobs you may have. And please provide listeners a way to connect with Myriad Growth.
2: Yeah, well, first of all, thanks a lot uh, for having us. I think it's been a super interesting uh, discussion. Uh, we hope that, you know, uh, you found our perspectives on creatives interesting. If you did, and if you're interested in highly perform UA and creatives, do get in touch. If you're, if you disagreed with us, also do get in touch because we're curious to hear why. Uh, And curious to hear about other approaches as well. We're also looking for people for our UA team, for a creative team, for designers, motion graphic designers. And you can reach out to us on our website, mirigrowth.com. You can email us at info at mirigrowth.com and you can find us on uh, LinkedIn. Again, thanks a lot for having us today.
0: All right. Everything in the description below on this podcast or YouTube video, wherever you're checking this out. And Elise, Zach, Adam, thank you for joining the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the whole episode. If you like this podcast, please do leave a comment and share the episode. If you want to access the Deconstructor of Fun community with hundreds of senior games folk, go to our website and apply to the Slack group. And if you want to get notified of all the new content we have coming out every week, do subscribe to the weekly Deconstructor of Fun newsletter. Finally, do remember, we love you guys and we appreciate you guys. Catch you next time.